Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Welcome back, my friends, to season three. Brand new season and a brand new start, fresh start to my podcast, Dr. Brie Talks Lady Bits. I so appreciate your patience if you've been waiting for me to re-air some new episodes. I have just been really, you know, honestly, I've been saying that I've been in a hibernation, but that makes it sound like all I'm doing is sleeping. And <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that that certainly has not been happening. I always have something up my sleeve and some new project going on, and this is no different. But I am trying to be a little bit more aware of self-care and boundaries, which is why I took a little break from podcast production and also a break from YouTube videos. But I wanted to air this today as just a way to say, don't forget about me, I'm still here. Because man, that fear for online business owners is legit. <laughs> and honestly, it's it's real. People, you know, today's society moves so fast. And so with that being said, this is just a little, uh, hello, I'm still here episode because I've been so excited to share it with you. It's an interview with Christine Koth and she is the author of Tight Hip, Twisted Core, a book that I love. I'm going to let her tell you all about it and about her, uh, you know, the importance of iliacus release and how the iliacus relates to digestion and pelvic health. That's what this interview is about. But I wanted to tell you that it can also be found on YouTube. I have released the video version on YouTube today as well. So when this podcast goes live, the YouTube version is also live just in case you are a visual person and you prefer to have some visual aids because we do show some pictures and images that I think will make it even more helpful. So please check the show notes if you want to be linked to the YouTube video that is the video version of, of this chat. And and back to that topic of staying relevant and being forgotten and that whole fear that I mentioned, that feels like kind of vulnerable to expose that fear of mine. But you know, I've been doing so much work with the shadows these days and this sh these shadows of fear that so many of us have. And I've been learning more and more and more with the work that I'm doing with my private clients in my Transcend coaching group and in my other groups that I offer, I've been really, really focusing not just on glossing over these fears, not just burying them down and pretending they're not there. I've been working on actually bringing them into the light and taking a look and acknowledging them and asking if they, you know, ask if they have any lessons for me and, and thanking them for the lessons they have given me. Like this lesson, for example, of feeling like I'm going to be not relevant anymore and, and oh my gosh, people are going to forget about me and I have to put something else out or people are going to forget about me, that kind of thing. Honestly, there is some truth to that. Sometimes there are some truths to our fears that come up. And... <laughs> Like I said, what can be helpful is to actually look at these fears, say, what is true here? 
And then you can decide whether or not you want to work with that. Because in some cases, there is no truth to our fears. Absolutely no actual relevant truth to our fears. They're just complete BS, for lack of better terminology. They are just old stories, maybe from our past, things that really don't actually serve us anymore. And so in that case, we can say, you know, thank you for trying to protect me because ultimately that's all it was doing was trying to protect you. Just thank it for trying to protect you and then you can release it and move on. And then again, sometimes there is some validity to these fears and you can then decide what you want to do with it. So with all that being said, I have decided to uh, go ahead and just, you know, release this wonderful interview also on YouTube, and then I'm going to take another couple of weeks off. There's going to be another two-week interlude uh, because I'm still working on projects and goodies for you all in the background. And then I do plan on being back in action more consistently after the two-week break. So that's just my little plan. And also, again, just some just some thoughts on how to work with fears when they come up in your own life. Again, let the fear come up. Just don't, don't just bury it away and pretend like it's not there because honestly if you do that it's just going to bubble up somewhere else and sabotage things later so you want to deal with it let it come up let those shadows be seen let the fears be seen take a look at it say is this real is this true and in many cases it won't be true at all and then you think it you forgive it and you lovingly release it and if it is true then you do what you need to do and continue to thank it and then lovingly release it and move forward. So just a little bonus tip for today. <laughs> now, going forward, we're going to be just talking about the iliacus and the hip flexors and all of that goodness. So please, uh, you know, enjoy this interview with Christine. She's fantastic. Please check the video notes for links to resources that are mentioned in the show. And also, while I have you, please sign up if you're interested in learning release techniques for your pelvic floor and your hips. And if you're interested particularly in yoga, please check the video notes to sign up for my at-home pelvic tension retreat. It's a three-day pelvic tension retreat, totally free, uh, yoga-based, and a suitable for all levels. So check that out. It's in the video notes, or you can just go to bit.ly slash pelvic tension retreat and you'll get all of the details and be able to sign up there. So without further ado, let's go to the interview. Because I have Christine Koth with me and she has a book that I have with me right here. I know this is gonna be on my podcast. If I share it on YouTube, they will see the book. I'm holding it up. But it's called Tight Hip Twisted Core, The Key to Unresolved Pain. And I got turned on to this book a couple of months ago, I guess. And I, when it arrived, I literally devoured it, not only because I am an anatomy nerd, I love anatomy, I love, as a physical therapist, of course, I am fascinated by it, but Christine has written the book in such a fun way that it's really just easy to digest and fun for anybody to read and understand. There's fun illustrations. It's a great guide. So the focus of the book is on the iliacus, one of the hip flexor muscles. We're going to be talking about that today in relation specifically to the iliacus and digestion and pelvic health. So Christine, do you want to say hi and maybe briefly share why you became so fascinated with the iliacus and the iliopsoas muscle group? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm also a physical therapist. I've been practicing for over 20 years. And in my practice, I kept seeing this pattern evolve where, you know, as I'm looking and examining people's bodies, I was noticing that there was tension in this muscle called the iliacus and that everyone who came into my practice hadn't, hadn't really had that addressed. Um, they didn't even know they had an iliacus muscle, <laughs> you know, and, and, and what I started noticing was that this pattern of tension in this muscle contributing to various um, conditions. So, um, you know, today we're going to be focusing a lot on the pelvic floor, um, but, you know, people were coming in with maybe hip arthritis pain and they were having tension in their iliacus. Maybe they were coming in with SI joint pain or low back pain. Um, pelvic floor pain and dysfunction. Um, and then what I was noticing was that this tension was also impacting the mechanics of their body. So, you know, it could be a runner who was having knee pain and, you know, they were focusing on treating their knee, but really it was coming up from, from their pelvis and, and tension in this muscle. And, you know, so, so when I started discovering this and started treating it, you know, I, I kind of developed my own technique of treating the iliacus muscle by putting prolonged pressure on it to try to get it to relax and doing some various physical therapy techniques. And I noticed that oftentimes for people, this was a missing link. You know, so, so there, maybe they had seen, you know, 20 or 30 different practitioners and they had not gotten, maybe they kind of got better, but hadn't really gotten the relief that they were hoping for. And that once the iliacus was released, it was like the missing piece that wasn't addressed previously and was waiting to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And once it was addressed, it really helped them, you know, move forward on their healing trajectory. You know, so over time, you know, as, as I continued to realize that this was an area of the body that people weren't really addressing, um, you know, I kind of took it upon myself to say, okay, I guess this is my thing. You know, I guess this is, this is part of what I'm here on this planet to do is to share information with people about the iliacus and hence um, the development of the book. Yeah. And the hip hook, which I want to talk about that too. It's a device yes. specifically designed by Christine to release this muscle yourself. And you can do it. I've been doing it with my fingers, but mm -hmm. I'm really excited to get my hip hook because I know it's going to be a lot easier to release with the tool. Um, and I want to just briefly say that even as a physical therapist who study, studied anatomy fully, I mean, I I know my anatomy, but I will say the iliopsoas is a very challenge. It was for me a challenging muscle group to understand because of the way it 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 hooks into the body. It crosses over so many joints, and the way it starts in the back and for the psoas major, and then it goes over the front of the pelvis. Your book really helped outline all of that. Maybe you could give kind of a brief anatomy of where this muscle even is in the body. Yeah, sure. And I'll share um, for the video folks um, a little this the, the model as I explain it. <clears throat> um, it is an interesting muscle because it does cross so many different joints and it goes in a three-dimensional way through the body. It's not very linear, um, you know, but it does attach to the spine. As you can see, this is the, the psoas. Um, so the psoas attaches to the spine. It goes through your abdomen, you know, from the spine all the way through your abdomen to the front of your hip and attaches to the front of your leg bone or your femur. Um, and similarly, the iliacus attaches to the inside surface of your pelvis bone. So when you put your hands on the front of your hips and you feel that bony part that sticks out right at the front of your hip, 
um, right inside of that is where the Iliacus lives. And I have a ton of pictures and stuff up on my website and Instagram and everything so you guys can examine this yourself. And just so everyone knows, if you're listening to the podcast, I will put links in the show notes to Christine's pertinent information, website, the hip hook, that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. So this muscle is crosses the, the spine, the SI joint, um, the hip joint. <clears throat> and so, you know, and it works in a three dimensional way. So it is, it is something that is a little bit mysterious. And the other thing that I will mention too, um, a lot of people oftentimes group the iliacus and the psoas together as if they're one muscle. Yeah. And they're actually two separate muscles. They're innervated by two different nerves. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why the iliacus might not be addressed as much because people feel like, well, if I'm addressing the psoas, I'm probably also addressing it's, it's all the same. And it's actually not. They're in two different locations, as you can see. And, um, you know, they, they do behave differently and have different effects on the body. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions, but let's go ahead and dive in with the connection between these muscles. Well, let's focus on the iliacus since that's really what we're talking about today, but the iliacus and the pelvic floor, because I've heard you talk about this before. Yeah. Of course, I read about it in your book, but a lot of the women who listen to my podcast and watch my YouTube have conditions such as prolapse, uh, bladder leakage, and or issues with pelvic pain and tension. So I know that iliacus concerns can affect all of those issues, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the connection between the iliacus and pelvic health. Yes, absolutely. So there's a couple different layers to that. Uh, you know, if you look at the anatomy, you know, the, the iliacus is on the inside surface of the pelvis. And it, you know, in terms of its connection to other muscles and the fascial connection, it absolutely just connects with the pelvic floor, right? I mean, it's on the inside of the pelvis and then continues on with the pelvic floor muscles at the bottom of the pelvis and works its way up the other side with the other iliacus. So if anyone is listening right now to the podcast and can't see Christine's hand, she just described it so beautifully because she's showing a full bowl effect. Like the, mm -hmm. the, the wings of the pelvis, the inside of those wings have the iliacus muscle. And then at the base of, so those are like the sides of the bowl. And then the base of the bowl is the pelvic floor. So you're saying that because of the fascial connections, it's really all connected like this big, beautiful bowl, correct? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. If you have any muscle in that bowl that is holding tension, it's going to affect all the other muscles that are around it. Now, the iliacus in particular tends to get tight very easily because its job is to help stabilize your pelvis. So it's helping stabilize your tailbone to your pelvic bones, as well as helping really to stabilize your hip joint. So there's a, like, you know, talk about this in the book, there's many reasons why there could be tension that can develop. It could be from sitting too long. It could be from, you know, driving a lot, you know, commuting. Um, it can be from stress because a lot of times we hold stress in our pelvic floor. It's very common. I'm sure you talked about that. Um, it can also be from certain sports and activities, like for example, running is very common, um, you know, cycling, kicking sports and the like. Also when you're hypermobile for a lot of women, we tend to, you know, there's a good population of us that are very like hypermobile or overly flexible. Um, and when you have that type of body, when you're born that way, this muscle tends to kind of hold on for dear life to stabilize you. See, that's a big, a big question that a lot of people have had. So if you have anything else to say about hypermobility, I know people will be interested in that too. Like 
well, you know, how come I have these issues when I'm already super loose? Like I don't need to stretch anything. I know I'm, I'm super stretchy. So how could I have a hip flexor itch issue or hip yes. flexor or yes. tension? So let's keep talking about the pelvic floor. But if that comes up at all for you, please uh, elaborate. Yeah, we should, we should definitely talk about that. Um, you know, let's, let's just talk about that now. So we don't forget, cause I think it's very, very important. Um, and then we'll go back to how the iliacus impacts the pelvic floor. <laughs> so when, um, when the people use the word tight, right? And that, that word means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And I also talk about this in the books. It's one of my kind of my pet peeves. Um, you know, tight can mean one of two things. It can mean either that you can't you lengthen a muscle very well and you can't, like, for example, if you can't touch your toes, it means your hamstring, you know, isn't fully lengthening. Um, so that means that is one version of tight, meaning the muscle won't fully lengthen to allow your joints to move. Um, so when you do a stretch, for example, you are using your own joints to help kind of teach that muscle how to elongate or become longer. There's another version of tight, which is holding tension. So, you know, this would be an example of like, you know, in your, in your shoulder, your upper trapezius muscle on top of your shoulder, if you're, you know, if you touch that and it's hard and it's not relaxed, that is another thing that people describe as tight, right? So it's when your muscle's holding tension. Now you can have a muscle that's holding tension that will completely elongate, but then when you go back to rest, it is still holding tension. And I use the example of like, if you're lying down on the ground <laughs> and you're not doing anything, you know, you're just lying there, you know, like you have nothing to do, nowhere to go. Theoretically, every muscle in your body should be relaxed. So if you were to touch every muscle in your body, it should be nice and squishy and soft. You know, if you put your hand on the inside of your pelvic bone and you touch it, it should be like, just like, you know, butter, you know? And if it's not, then you're holding tension. So you can be actually very, very flexible. You could go into the deepest yoga pose and not feel a thing, but your body could be holding tension in that muscle you could consider as being tight. Okay. And the reason that's important is because if you're holding tension and you're going about your day, that is going to be not only changing the mechanics of your body, you know, muscles should be contracting and relaxing, not just holding tension constantly. And it's also affecting all the muscles around that. Yeah. So it is important to discern when you are very flexible and you can stretch and you feel like, you know, um, you know, I don't need to stretch because I'm already really mobile. You may actually be holding more tension than you think in muscles. And it's a different phenomenon. And that's where the prolonged pressure com comes into play. Um, a lot of times when your muscles are holding tension, you can stretch them and that does help to some degree. It helps increase circulation and helps to, you know, get the muscle to be a little bit more healthy. However, it doesn't necessarily do enough to actually release that tension. And that's where we use tools like the hip hook and balls and rollers and things like that to help your body learn, your brain basically learn how to release that, that tension. Mm -hmm. So that's an important distinction. And when you're talking about that tension and that difference between, uh, you know, flexibility being tight yeah. for flexibility and then just the holding tension, it reminds me so much of the pelvic floor and how many people just hold chronic tension in the pelvic floor muscles themselves. And yes. so is that one relation right there potentially to the tension that's chronically held in the iliacus? 
Yes, absolutely. You know, like I was mentioning this area of the body, we, we hold a lot of our essential organs and our, a lot of our survival, you know, our procreation is in the pelvic floor. Um, so it's, it's a very common space for the brain to choose to hold tension in because, you know, it's a, it's protective mechanism and other common places at the base of the skull, yeah. uh, protecting our brain. <laughs> also, also very important. <laughs> Your brain and the, uh, reproductive organs. It makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. That's all you need really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we don't really um, even realize that we're holding tension in that area of the body. Um, you know, you could be sitting at your desk holding tension in that. Um, it's oftentimes related to stress um, or even trauma in that area. Um, and we've all experienced that on emotional or physical levels. Um, so that, that definitely is a big component to that. And the iliacus fits right into that you know, that group and, and, and that, you know, tightness party, yeah. <laughs> tension party. For sure. And so what about prolapse specifically? Do you have any information on that and the, with relation to the iliacus? Yeah. So, you know, in a general sense, like we were talking about how, you know, if there's tension in the iliacus, there can be tension in the pelvic floor or vice versa. It's like, what's the chicken or the egg? When there's tension in the muscle, not only does it not the, does that area not function mechanically, but it also does not function well neurologically. You know, nerves, nerves, there's all kinds of nerves in that area of our body that are going to different organs, that are going to muscles. Um, you know, there are nerves that can produce pain, you know, like the pudendal nerve, for example. And when nerves are tugged on or compressed, they are not happy. Nerves do not like to be pulled on, they do not like to be pushed on. So in that, that scenario, in that phenomenon, um, if you have tension in a particular area of the pelvic floor, it can absolutely pull on a nerve in even just a subtle way. And that tension can make it so that that particular part of your body is not functioning well. You know, so for example, if you are, if like part of the job of your muscles are to hold your organs in place and you're, you have a nerve or you have muscle tension that's kind of pulling them out of, out of whack, that can definitely impact the function of that particular part of the body. Um, another thing that's important too is that when muscles are tight, they be, actually become weak. Yeah. which seems kind of counterintuitive. You think if they're tight, they'd be strong, you know, they're holding tension. But if you're holding tension for a very long period of time, you can imagine how that muscle would be exhausted. Muscles are healthy, the healthiest and most able to produce the force that, they're, that are required of them when they can relax and contract and also when they're in the right length, you know, they're not being tugged on or, or pulled out of alignment. So all, you can see how this is like a complex ecosystem, right? In our pelvic area, pelvic floor, um, there's just so much going on in there, you know, and, and, you know, really one thing can affect another, it can affect another, and you end up then with this set of symptoms that, you know, you're not, I don't even know how this even started, you know, like, oh, it was, you know, I was doing a lot of running and then all of a sudden my pelvis started hurting and then all of a sudden I can't, you know, I, I'm having incontinence, you know, and then like the, you know, the trajectory just goes on and on. Well, absolutely. And I want to just briefly share a little bit about my quickly about my story. I have right-sided tension, which is very common. I know from your book that that's yep. the most common, correct? Yeah. Yep. And I am right-handed. And of course, you know, I drive with my right foot on the, on the brake and the gas and et cetera. 
But I connecting the dots backward, looking at this condition now, connecting the dots backward, I had was always a runner in college and in high school. And especially in college, you know, after a few years of driving under my belt, especially long trips back and forth from college to where you know my parents lived and that kind of thing, I noticed that I started getting terrible shin splints when I was running. And it turns out I was horribly over pronating on my right side. So my right arch was collapsing inward for anyone who doesn't know what that is. And that contributed to shin splints. And so when I got arch supports and, you know, better footwear, it definitely helped. But connecting the dots back with my very, very, you know, rotated pelvis on my right side because of my tight hip muscles, these tight, tight iliacus, that was causing this uh, down chain reaction down the the road of my leg to actually contribute to that over pronation of that right foot when I was running and step after step causing those shin splints. And in addition, tying into digestion, I learned from you this fascinating thing. And and who knows, I I think it's connected that my right side attention is definitely there and I'm working on it now, but I have a long standing history of gut issues. Mm -hmm. And one of them is SIBO. And when Mm -hmm. you said at some point that, you know, because of the placement of the iliacus and the placement of the ileocecal valve, um, can you go into digestion a bit and the iliacus and particularly SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Yes, absolutely. This is a discovery that I that um, I happen to have the opportunity to work side by side, uh, a, a wonderful group of naturopathic doctors in my career. And um, as you may know, one of the things that, that um, people tend to go to naturopathic doctors for is digestive issues. Oh, yes. I have <laughs> thousands of dollars and many, many hours in naturopathic doctor's offices. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, you know, seeing, I started dis- discovering this correlation. And it often, you know, the, the great thing is that these, these doctors I were working with were super smart. And they were also like, you know, I wonder if the iliacus is, you know, impacting what's going on here digestively. Um, so I was seeing people that were having issues with um, their ileocecal valve not closing properly um, and also, you know, the various digestive issues that can be a result of that, but also just, you know, other things that are going on. Um, and there is this really interesting correlation. So again, if you have, it's chicken or the egg, right? If you have a lot of inflammation in your digestive system or things are not functioning well, your body's tendency is going to want to kind of protect that area, right? And so that's when you, that's one reason why you could develop tension there. And then that tension further pulls on, you know, like say you just ate some bad food at a restaurant, right? And your digestion is off for like a day. You know, your muscles can choose to protect that area because you're in pain and you're not feeling well or, you know, something like that. And then that tension can decide to stay there. So then it creates this, this long-term, you know, effect where it's pulling on the nerves that, you know, the digestive system is pulled out of whack and all of that. Uh, on the flip side, if you have developed muscle tension, which might be like in your situation, you were talking about being a runner, um, you know, what you, you develop tension in this area of your body, that tension was pulling on the digestive system itself because of its connection to the fascia, because again, the nervous system's connection. 
And that could have set you up for, you know, maybe like a subtle little, like, okay, maybe your ileocecal valve just wasn't quite closing well, you know? And, and then over time, you know, a little bit of the, that, you know, that bacteria wasn't quite flowing in the way that it was supposed to. And then over time, here you are <laughs> 20 years later with these issues that, you know, have developed um, just as a result of something being not optimal for a very long period of time. Yeah. Um, so there's this definite connection. And what we were seeing in the clinic was that <clears throat> when I would release the tension in the iliacus with my hands, um, that those, those, patients who are also doing things with their diet and, you know, their supplementation and other things were actually making much better progress. And symptomatically, you know, whether it was like they were having pain or they were having issues with their bowel movements, they would notice a direct connection with changes and improvement in that on those days, you know, when they would work on their iliacus, you know, they come back to my office and be like, oh my gosh, like I actually had a bowel movement and I haven't had one in like a week, you know, um, as a result of that tension. Um, so I think there's a lot more to explore with that, um, but it is de there's a definite there's def a definite connection there. I I couldn't agree more. I'm completely obsessed with digestive health, and this has been a, a long-standing issue for me. I think I had it from both ends. I think that musculoskeletally things were aggravated because of my running and the driving and stress and college and blah blah blah, all of that kind yeah. of thing. But then I also had a long-standing digestive health history as well. So I think it was the perfect storm to kind of, you know, come right in on my right, you know, pelvis really yes. and make all this happen. But I will say that when I do my release work on my iliacus, just again, using my fingers and I can't wait for more with the hip hook, <laughs> I, uh, my guts will start just kind of rumbling back to life in a great way. Yeah. When I work on my iliacus, it's amazing just yeah. subjectively you can add that to your list of testimonials. <laughs> like it just, things come to life and I tend to be more slow transit. And so it's really nice to have things kind of come to life when I'm working on that muscle. And so I, I did want to ask another kind of personal question. Um, and also seconded by someone in a group that I lead, which is called Fem Squad. One of my Fem Squad ladies, she and I both are wondering, can you overdo releasing the iliacus? Can you become a little too aggressive perhaps? Can you maybe do too much releasing? Um, she kind of maybe went with a little too much gusto and she was feeling quite a bit of soreness. So yes. can you give us your advice on that? Yeah, so you know, I mentioned earlier how this muscle is a muscle that is not often addressed. You yeah. know, so whatever age you are, you know, say you're in your 40s, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna start releasing my iliacus. And you go in there with your fingers or the hip hook or a practitioner and you start putting pressure on that muscle that hasn't been touched your entire life. Do you think it's going to be happy with you? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, but, and that's okay, right? So it is very common, especially either if you haven't released it for a long time or it's new or you're new to that, to feel, feel it be very sore. Um, it may feel bruised like you may feel even like, you know, on the surface that, you know, after you do it the next day, you may feel sore and you should absolutely take your time and listen to your body and ease into it. There will be a point, believe it or not, where you work on this muscle and you lie on the hip hook and you feel nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, I have experienced that myself. A lot of my clients, you know, and people that are using the hip hop now experience that same thing when they first start using it. It's like, oh, wow, this is really tight and sore and I feel sore afterwards. That's great. You know, give yourself time, give yourself a day or two until you feel like you you know, that soreness has dissipated and then, you know, go back to that. You should always listen to your body. Um, and if you feel anything that's, you know, that seems completely abnormal or, you know, that's extreme, you should absolutely, you know, contact your healthcare professional and, and make sure that it's not something more serious. Um, but it is very common to have that experience. And um, I asked, actually just recorded a video um, that'll be up on YouTube, kind of showing people how to use the hip hook in a more gentle way, you know, to ease into it. Because when you first start, like I said, it's very common for that to be very sore. I love it. I, yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, because I've, I think we just get so excited. <laughs> because yeah, we're like, okay, this is it. You know, I'm going to dig yeah. in there. Or is it always better though? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Less is more. You can always add more. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I could just talk to you forever about this, but um, I do want to ask you, first of all, we know that the hip hook is an amazing tool to help release it. Uh, If somebody doesn't have access to that yet, maybe they're waiting for it or they aren't able to get it right now. Is there another simple, quick tool or technique that you can give them yeah. yeah. So I talk about in the book, there's, if you're going to get at the, if you're, if you want to address the iliacus itself, different from the psoas, um, if you want to address the iliacus yourself, there's really, really only two methods. Um, one is to have a practitioner or a friend or, you know, a spouse or someone um, put pressure on it. And the reason why this is hard to do, I mean, you can kind of do it your own. Like you said, you were using your fingertips. I use my fingers or I use my thumb from my other arm or my yeah. other side and kind of scoop into the area. Yeah. So it's hard to do that. It's possible. Your mm-hmm. arm will get really tired really fast. And, um, you know, it's also an awkward angle, you know, not super great for your thumbs and your wrist because mm-hmm. you can't really generate the, the right amount of pressure at the right angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is my problem. This is why I developed the hip hug because I was trying to give people something that they can do at home. You know, when they come into the office, great. I gave them a great release fantastic. Well, what are they going to do when they get home? And what are they going to do when they, you know, they, they don't have access to me. So, so I've been, you know, playing around with all kinds of tools, you know, like remote controls, spatulas, you know, like digging everything you can into that area of the body. Um, and really what I found out was, you know, it just really wasn't effective as having a person do it, which is why I ended up developing the hip hook to try to replicate my fingers so that you can actually do it on your own. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having someone, you know, like, like I said, a friend or a spouse or someone um, push on that muscle across the body um, with their arms straight will help to get the right amount of pressure in the right angle because I'm showing this on the video, but um, I'll kind of try to explain it. The pelvis, um, you know, this iliacus really lives on the inside surface of the pelvis. So if you lie on something directly and you push down into the body straight, um, you know, like say if you lie on a ball, Mm -hmm. um, actually that's one of the things I recommend is using a four inch ball. The ball will get at the psoas and it will get indirectly at the iliacus, but it's not going to be putting the direct pressure on the iliacus. You really need that kind of angular 45 degree angle downward pressure to get, you know, on that inside surface of the mm-hmm. pelvic bone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, the hip hook is really designed to, to be able to lie on top of it 
And then here's your pelvic bone and your pelvic bones on the side. And then with the pivoting of the hip hook, it really helps to push pressure directly on the iliacus um, and get that, that trigger point release that we were talking about earlier. And for the trigger point release, we want to hold for 60 to 90 seconds while breathing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is, you know, the reason that's important is because at first, when you first press on it, the body says, ouch, I'm tight. And like, I've been holding tension for a long time. I don't want to let go. Right. And then after about 30 seconds, the, the brain recognizes that it's actually in a safe situation and that it can actually relax some of that tension. Um, so then you'll notice after that period of time, okay, this isn't hurt as bad. It's starting to soften. Great. And we want that brain to really kind of recognize that now is the time to change its pattern and, and choose to let that muscle be relaxed. And that's really, you know, why that length of time is important. Doing it really quickly for a short period of time, it's better than nothing, um, but, but it's not necessarily going to give you the long-term, the long-term effects that you're desiring. Yeah. Wow. Excellent information. So good. I love this conversation and I love learning more about this muscle. I, I, I think that more people need to know about it. So I'm glad we're connecting. And how can people learn more about your work and get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on all social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Aletha Health, Aletha.Health is the, ha um, the tag. Um, so that you can find a lot of information, educational content there. And then alethahealth.com is the website which has a lot of blog posts and videos and information. Um, and there's also some information on YouTube as well under Aletha Health. Okay. And what's the meaning of Aletha? I'm, I'm curious. Are you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Aletha is the parent company for the hip hook. And I developed this company um, really to help uncover the simple truths to health and wellness. So Aletha is derived from Aletheia, which is the Greek goddess of uncovering or unveiling the truth. Mm, yeah, juicy, huh? <laughs> yeah. So the hip book is just our is our first product. I have about four other products that I'm, that are in development right now, and then um, we're really curating a whole host of educational content to help people like distill the complexities of health and wellness down to their simplest form. Because it's really, you know, it's a maze out there trying to figure out what works and what, what doesn't and, you know, what's, what's you know, really going to get at the source of your problem or not. Yeah. Wow. Well, your thought process there is right in line with my thinking. So I love that. And I'm excited to keep in touch. And everyone Absolutely. who is watching, please keep in touch with Christine. Check out her book. I'll put all of the links in the show notes slash video notes, wherever you're consuming this content. And so Christine, thank you so, so much. Is there you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Final word, final like tip or word or anything you'd like to leave folks with? You know, I'm really excited to get this information to you. And I would really encourage you to explore your iliacus because it could be the hidden source of what is going on with your body. And, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if it was just that simple? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the root Don't leave the stone unturned. <laughs> and the root is our source of so many things. And this iliacus yeah. is right there with our pelvic floor and the other root components of our body. So, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you again. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the entire show. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Let her know how it helped you and what you learned and why she might like it too. And if you would like a free downloadable video portfolio that includes the inner core energizer routine that's found in my book, Lady Bits, plus the first seven days of my ab camp series, Simply leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and then send a screenshot of of your review to me, Brienne, at femfusionfitness.com. Again, that's Brienne at femfusionfitness.com. I will personally get back to you with your free downloadable video portfolio. I will see you next time. And remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit.